Good morning. Today we get to hear God's word from Isaiah 41 through 11. Comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken, a voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. You who bring good tidings to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good tidings to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up, do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, Here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and his arm rules for him. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Thank you, Forrest. Good morning. Well, it's been a, uh, just an amazing two weeks in our world. Hurricane after hurricane, Harvey and Irma, 8.1 earthquake in Mexico, cities flooded, people who are dying and have died, they're suffering everywhere. We have all that going on, and then we have all these fires. California and Montana and Idaho, Oregon. My brothers in Portland, they had to flee their area, get out of there. And it just feels a little bit overwhelming. It feels a little bit apocalyptic, doesn't it? Um, Especially with the air quality. You walk outside and you're like, whoa. And again, wave after wave of, of attack, it feels like. It seems relentless. And just when maybe there's a breath of fresh air, another attack comes, another hit, another loss, another late night BSU defeat. (laughs) When will it ever end, O Lord? (laughs) And quite honestly, it can feel overwhelming. And one of the things as we go through life and the journey of following Christ is, is sometimes our life feels that way. We feel like there's a wave after wave that just is hitting us. Attack after attack. And where's the relief? Where will it be? Where's the hope? Where can I find comfort in the middle of the storm as I'm walking through a desolate desert? Where's there an oasis? You ever feel that way sometimes? And the Lord this morning through Isaiah 
is going to answer that question when it seems so relentless. Where can we find comfort? Comfort comes from our relentless God, our loving Lord. Comfort comes in His amazing grace upon us. Comfort comes in His presence with us. Comfort comes because we know He never leaves our side. And He walks through the desert with us. Where does comfort come from? Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Isaiah is going to give us a picture of that uh, this morning in Isaiah 40. Comfort, O comfort, my people, says your God. Speak kindly to Jerusalem, call out to her. Her warfare is ended. Her iniquity has been removed. That she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Comfort, O comfort, my people. Let's pray for that this morning, God's comfort upon us. Heavenly Father, uh, boy, I tell you what, it just seems, uh, it seems like a lot is going on. And there's so many families out there right now who've lost uh, loved ones. They've lost their homes. Uh, they're really suffering. And Father, we pray for comfort upon them this morning, your presence uh, with them. And Father, as they prepare for more storms to come, may they look to you as their hope, as their life, as their salvation. And Father, for those in this body who feel like it's wave after wave, uh, wondering where they can find hope and peace and rest, uh, would you minister to their souls this morning, I pray. Love them up. May they know uh, you're right there with them. And we thank you for Isaiah 40, speaking to us your truth. And we thank you that your promises are true and we can hold firm to them. So we invite you this morning. We invite you to minister to our hearts. We release and surrender unto you. In your precious name, amen. Well, Isaiah has been the voice of the Lord to the people of Israel, to Judah. And when we wrapped up a while ago, before we got in the summer, Isaiah has been speaking to the people and he's been reminding them and challenging them to turn away from worshiping any other than the Lord, turn away from their pursuits and their sin. It's not what God has for them. And God in His righteous judgment brings forth consequence upon them. And one of the things that we learned in the first 39 chapters was, yes, God deals with sin because it leads to death. He doesn't want that for us. And God's righteous judgment is always about redemption, about redeeming His people. He wants them to understand that if they continue to go down this path, ultimately, it's death. And draw back to where you can have life. Stop trying to live for yourself. Stop trying to live following other pursuits other than me. And so at the end of chapter 39, Isaiah is speaking to Hezekiah and and says, Listen, here's the deal. You're going to be carried off to Babylon. And you are going to be in exile. And here's going to be the consequence of that. 
But there's more to the story. You've been feeling the attack of the Assyrians. You're going to feel the attack of Babylon. But there's more to the story. And it's more true to the big picture of the character of God and and his whole purpose of, of sending his son Jesus so that we can have life and relationship with the living God. Comfort, comfort, my people. And so as we step into Isaiah 40, it's like Isaiah goes into the presence of the Lord and the Lord gives him a picture of the next hundred, several hundred years. And so when we're coming into Isaiah, it's 40, it's future. It's this is what's happening. The people are in Babylon. They're in exile. And I want you to let the people know that there's going to be more that I'm going to come in and I will be your Savior if you respond to me. And God does this amazing work, His his work of redemption, His work of salvation. And so He gives us this glimpse, this prophecy, and a lot of messianic prophecy of speaking about our Lord and Savior who is to come. Our hope. There will be ultimate comfort. The Lord will reign. The Lord is their God. And you need to remember that right in the middle of all of this attack, where you're going, how can I even float here with all these floodings going on? Right in the middle of it, he wants his people to know, I have not abandoned you. That's not who I am. I have not abandoned you. I'm letting you go through the consequence of your sin, but I have not abandoned you. I'm a loving God. I'm going to walk through this with you. And I will deliver you as you repent and turn to me. Because that's the kind of God I am. I'm a God who wants relationship with you. The Bible's his whole love story of wanting a love relationship with us. And through Isaiah 40, he's saying the days are going to get better. There is still hope. You know... The thing that happens when we're getting hit by waves of suffering and just hard life, if you're like me, you tend to start to blame God. Like, God, this isn't fair. Why do I keep getting hit like this? I'm trying to, you know, live life right. I'm trying to do it pleasing to you. Why, why does this keep happening? We become bitter, don't we, against God? We want someone to blame for the awfulness of life. And we can become very bitter. And this morning I want to encourage you, if you're at that place of bitterness and and blaming God, that you would just release your heart unto him and and truly receive his love upon you. That he's right there. He knows the suffering you're going through. He knows you're in the desert. But he will bring you to an oasis. He will sustain you. He will lift you up. And Isaiah 40 is speaking that very strongly. God's wanting to bring forth consolation. He's wanting to bring forth new life. I really appreciate Ray Ortland's comments on this. He says this, Ray does. There is an end to the disciplines of God. Faith is not all struggle. It's also release and hope and its new beginnings. 
God's deepest intention towards us is comfort. How could it be otherwise? If the focus of Christianity were our sins, then our future would be shut down. But in fact, Christianity is all about the saving grace of God. He overrules our stupidity with His own absolute pardon through the finished work of Christ on the cross. Do we sin? Yes. Do we suffer for it? Yes. Is that where God leaves us? No. When His discipline has done its good work, God comes back to us with overflowing comfort. See, and God is not a frown, but a smile. It's not distance, but nearness. And even when we don't act like the people of God, He still identifies with us. My people, your God. He still calls us Jerusalem, even when we're far away in exile. That's the character of our loving God. Redemptive, full of grace, walking through. If life were just about dealing with our sin and focusing on that, like he says, then there's no future. He's about forgiving us our sin. He's about renewing us. He's about changing us. He's about giving us new life, new hope, new joy. So let's repent and turn to God. Let's be released from our sin. Let's have joy in Him. You know, one of the things as I walk through with with couples in marriage counseling, one of the things I see in the middle of the struggle uh, it's kind of a constant theme, but one of, one of the, the major themes that comes through is that in the middle of the battle, we, um, we hold on to old sins. And so, if your spouse has sinned against you, and it was really bad, really wounded you deeply, and, and the effects of it were great, But the couple finally came together and they said, hey, I I need your forgiveness. And forgiveness was given. And then they started a new life again. And then there comes a fight several months down the road, even a year down the road. And then what happens? Yeah, but you sinned against me a year ago. And this is why everything's a mess, because of your sin. Can you imagine if God did that with us? I mean, honestly. What if God did it? Yeah, you know, I know you were making good strides. But that sin you did last year, you're out. You're out. And we do that to each other. We hold on to these old sins. We didn't actually truly forgive and release that unto the Lord. And then we keep reminding the person of how awful they are. It's just not good, I'm just telling you. It's not good. And in your marriages, I really want you to be truly releasing that, forgiving each other. And if you haven't asked for forgiveness, you need to seek forgiveness. Because the character of our Lord is that I forgive your sins. And now we move on to new life. Now hold on to me and walk in righteousness. Do we sin? Yes. Do we fall short? Does it have consequence? Yes. Does God abandon us in the middle of that? No. 
And neither should you. So let's love each other with grace and forgiveness, just like our Lord has. What a great comfort. Love keeps no record of wrongs. What a beautiful truth of the Scripture. We have comfort in a King and a Lord who forgives us. We have comfort in a Lord who His presence shows up. We have comfort in the King of glory. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. It was customary when a king was coming to town in the desert, the people would actually flatten out the roads, the desert. They would make a path. How exciting the king is coming. Let us prepare for it. He is worthy of honor and praise. And we want to give him praise. It was customary. Get ready. Prepare. And what Isaiah is doing is he's having us get ready for the Messiah. In Luke 3, we're we're made aware that Jesus is the coming King. Our hearts prepared to receive the King. Are we ready for Him? Are we inviting Him and looking forward to the ultimate King of Kings, Jesus, coming and reigning again? And on a daily journey, our hearts prepared. Make way for the King. Let us prepare in our hearts to receive Him. I love this wonderful little parable. It's from Doug Mendenhall, and it's a parable about Jesus visiting. Jesus called the other day to say He was passing through, and He wondered if He could spend a day or two with us. I said, sure, love to see you. When will you hit town? I mean, it's Jesus, you know, and it's not every day you get the chance to visit with him. It's not like it's your in-laws, and you have to stop and decide whether the advantages outweigh you having to move your sleeper sofa or not. That's when Jesus told me he was actually at the convenience store just down the street. I must have gotten that Bambi and the headlights look because my wife hissed, what is it, what's wrong, who is it? So I covered the receiver, I told her Jesus was going to arrive in the next eight minutes. And she ran out of the room. She started giving guidance to the kids in that effective way that a marine drill instructor gives guidance to recruits. (laughs) My mind was already racing what needed to be done in the next eight, no, seven minutes. So Jesus wouldn't think we were losers or slobs. I turned off the TV in the den, which was blaring with some scary movie I'd been half watching. I could still hear the screams from our bedroom. So I turned off the reality show that we were watching. I put the kids, I I cleaned up the sun porch. I didn't want to have to explain the different magazines and books that were on the shelf, so I moved those. Now there were six minutes to go. My wife already had put out the coffee table, set it nicely. She made sure she had the devotional on top of the coffee table. And Christianity Today, five minutes to go. I looked out the front window, but the yard actually looked great. I spent a lot of time working on it, and I mowed it the other day. So what could I improve in four minutes? I did notice the mail had come, so I went out and grabbed it. It was mostly Netflix, a bunch of catalogs. All of a sudden now, down to three minutes. 
I ran back. I picked up a bunch of shoes at the door, tried to stuff them in the closet. There was a bunch of coats in there. shoved those in there. We live in the south where it's pretty warm. I don't understand why we have so many coats. So I squeezed the shoes in, jammed the door shut. I plumped up the pillows, tossed the dishes in the sink. I scolded the kids. I shooed the dog. Wait, one minute left. And I realized something very important in that last minute. Getting ready for a visit from Jesus is not an eight-minute job. And then the doorbell rang. Prepare the way. Get ready. Prepare your hearts to receive the loving King, to receive His life in yours. In the middle of the desert, this whole thing is, is people in the middle of the desert. Story of our life sometimes. We just feel like we're in the desert, in the desert. And what He's saying is, I'm coming. There is hope. I'm with you. I will be present. Let me minister to you. People of Judah, you keep running away from me. Stop it. Let's have relationship, which I long to do. I know your sin. There's no sin that can outweigh what my son has done on the cross for you. It's been paid for. A voice in the wilderness, like we hear of John the Baptist, crying out, prepare the way. Comfort in the desert because our king accomplishes his purposes. Every valley will be raised up. Every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level. And the rugged places a plain. What he's saying is everything is going to be made right. Justice is going to take place. Repentance that leads to salvation is going to happen. He's going to turn everything on its head with the gospel, the good news of his presence, of his salvation, of a new kingdom. Where can we find comfort in the middle of the desert? We find comfort because he will keep his promises. He will make everything right. He will redeem all the junk. And even though right now, It feels a little overwhelming. He's right there with you in the middle. He's going to make things new. He's going to change hearts, and including yours. We comfort in His glory. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. What is the glory of the Lord? What does that look like? For us during the eclipse, there was many people who were saying ourselves, wow, God is so evident in this eclipse. Amazing in His creation. And I'm sure many of you are the same. What is His glory? Moses at Sinai saw the Lord. The glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire. But he couldn't take it. He had a be put in the cleft of the mountain. Ezekiel saw the glory of the Lord as a, as a, in the form of a chariot coming down from heaven to establish His kingdom on earth. When Jesus was born, the glory of the Lord shone upon the angels, didn't it? I mean, upon the shepherds. 
In John 1, Jesus is the display of the glory of the Father. What do you think of when you think of glory? Beauty, majesty, brightness, awe of incredible things. The truth is all of creation leads to the beauty and the glory of the Lord. It should should give us a wonderful sense of the presence of God in the middle of being in the desert. Peter, James, and John in the Mount of Transfiguration got to see his glory. And so glory is beauty, it's radiance, it's power of God. But then as we get into the New Testament, Jesus adds a new dimension to glory. And it seems upside down and backwards from everything that we think of about glory and what's amazing. The truth is, in Jesus Christ, we see glory most evident of our Lord with Jesus on the cross. That's where his greatest glory shines, on the cross. It's who our God is, the suffering servant, the lamb who was slain, as we studied Philippians, who humbled himself all the way to the cross. That is real glory. That's real glory. And it's all part of who our Lord is in bringing us comfort. His glory will reign. Do you understand what's going to happen? On the cross, you will know me. Glory is God Himself being fully revealed. And we see that in His Son, Jesus Christ. Truly known, glory is. That He is the suffering servant. He is the one who paid the price for our sin. He is the one who rose again on the third day. He is the one who offers us life, conquering sin and death as we believe upon him. Do you know his glory? Have you seen it? Because what what Isaiah says is, you're going to receive comfort in the desert because the glory of God is going to be revealed to you. And he is one who suffers with you. He is one who is present with you. He is one who enters in with us. Yes, he's going to come back reigning king, all-powerful, but he is also one who suffers. And that's what all of this next section of Isaiah is, suffering servant. Also that we could have life and relationship with our Lord. That's glory. That he would be truly known by you and me. That's where comfort comes from. We comfort in his glory because he keeps his promises. He will do this for us in life. His presence will be with us. Matthew eleven twenty eight. right? Come to me, all of you who are heavy burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. It's light. And as you take my yoke upon you, I give you rest for your souls. Come and learn from me. Come and let us, let us walk side by side. That's glory. I want you to know me. Comfort in the desert because the word of God stands forever. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All the people are like grass and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. 
The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the breath of our Lord blows on them, and surely his people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. You need to hold that. The word of our God stands forever. What he's really saying in these verses is, you know what? We are flaky. We are flaky. You can't count on us. We're like a grass that withers. I mean, think about it. Think about Hezekiah in chapter 39. Hezekiah was a good king. He was a righteous king. But when Isaiah comes to him and says, listen, your people are going to be carried off into exile. Do you, do you remember Hezekiah's response? He's like, oh, I'm going to be dead. doesn't really matter to me. He's, he's a total flaky. He just... He just kind of like distances himself from everything. People are like that. We're like that. We fall short. We sin. We aren't consistent in our walk. But the truth about our God is, He's not flaky. You see, the Word of God stands forever. And what does the Word of God say? I keep my promises. Where God says, Hey, I forgive you for your sins. Word of God says, I will deliver you. Word of God says, I am with you always. My word stands. The truth about me and my character stands. Even though you are a fickle, flaky people, like grass, I stand. And you can stand upon me. Why can't you have hope? Why can't you have comfort in the middle of the desert? Because God is going through that with you. Receive it from Him. Receive His comfort. He's offering it to you. A lot of times we still resist. We're still trying to make it on our own. We're still trying to do life on our own. We resist God for receiving salvation. And He's saying, I want to forgive you for your sins completely. I want to wash you white as snow. And what you can bank on, even though you're a total mess... I'm going to renew you. The Word of God stands forever. You see, my son, I sent to do all this and accomplish all this work and to redeem all the junk and the brokenness of this world. Comfort, comfort, my people. Receive it. And what happens is when we receive the comfort and the good news of our King, the desire of Isaiah and our Lord is go tell everybody about the goodness of God and what He's doing with you in the middle of the desert. Because you see, when God walks with us in the middle of the desert and brings us His comfort, it brings incredible joy to our soul. And now He wants those who are in the desert and don't know Him and are walking on their own and are are hopeless, He wants us to let them know, hey, there's a God who will walk with you who wants you to know Him. So bring the good news to Zion. Go up on a high mountain. Bring good news to Jerusalem. Lift up your voice with a shout. Lift up and do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, Here is your God. What a beautiful, intimate truth. See, the Sovereign Lord comes with power and He rules with a mighty arm. His reward is with Him. And his recompense accompanies him. 
His presence is our joy. And so we spread the joy. Listen to C.S. Lewis. I love this. The world rings with praise. Lovers praising their mistresses, readers their favorite poet, walkers praising the countryside, players praising their, uh, praising their favorite game. We praise the weather and the wines and the dishes and actors, the horses, colleges, countries, children, flowers, mountains. Just as men spontaneously praise whatever they value, so they spontaneously urge us to join them in praising it. Oh, isn't she lovely? Wasn't that glorious? Don't you think it's magnificent? I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment and its appointed consummation. When we receive the joy and the comfort of the Lord and we share and we praise our Lord to others and we invite them into that, it's, it's this ultimate consummation of our joy together in the Lord and who He is. Prepare the way the King is coming. He will deliver. He will comfort. He will be present in our lives. He finishes off with this, again, a very intimate, beautiful statement. And it's all messianic prophecy about our Jesus. And it's giving them hope for the future. But he finishes off and he says, The one who is coming, who is all-powerful, who will deliver, who is strong, who is glorious yet who desires relationship with us. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. Listen to this verse. This is one you need to hold on to. Because sometimes you need to be carried. And he carries them close to his heart. And he gently leads those that have young. Where do we receive comfort? From our good shepherd from our loving Lord, who's full of grace, from the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just praise you for how through Isaiah, thousands of years ago, you gave truth and hope to those in the desert. How you presented yourself that there's one who's coming, that there is... There is a Lord and a Savior who's coming. Father, thank you for the hope we have in you. And Father, thank you that you do bring us comfort. We receive it, Lord Jesus. And I pray for those this morning that, that don't know you as their Lord and Savior. Father, would you minister to their hearts? Would they know, Father, that in the middle of their mess and their sin, that there's nothing so far that they've done that, can separate them from your love. Touch them, Father, this morning, I pray. Invite them in, and may they invite you in, Lord Jesus. We love you, Lord. And again, we give you praise. You are glorified this morning, Father, in your presence with us. In your beautiful and precious name, amen.